today with Joe Nash on Live 95. The Minister for Health, Stephen Donnelly, announced the acceleration of plans to deliver additional bed capacity at University Hospital Limerick last week. And we were covering the issue in some detail then. Here is Fine Gael TD and Minister of State, Kieran O'Donnell, talking to us about it. There's currently a new 96-bed block currently under construction in UHL. It's expected that will be up and running very early in 2025. Minister Stephen Donnelly yesterday has given the go-ahead to UHL to accelerate the building of a second 96-bed block. It will be directly adjacent to the the 96-bed block that's currently under construction. They will now proceed to to do uh, excavation works in terms of of that new, the second 96-bed block. They'll proceed to apply for planning and they are now preparing, obviously, uh, detailed designs around the second 96-bed block that they will bring to government. But ultimately, Just, Joe, just to be clear then, so this was in the public domain before, correct. but it is now being accelerated. It's now happening. There's 36,000 people going through the minor energy units at the moment per annum. I've had discussions with UHL management. The issue there is, Joe, that if you open that 24 hours, the question is, is that if something happens outside of hours, the normal hours... You may. You have to ensure that you have the the critical care, the backup services in the hospitals. That's not available in terms of Innisneen and Johns. We need that in UHL. That's number one. That's why they're um, a day service. The mind, the medical assessment units, Joe, have been now moved to a seven day week, and that's made a big difference. Not twenty four seven, but seven days. Seven days a week, eight to eight. They were differing times and that's in Ennisneen and John's as well. The biggest issue for us is it's a resourcing issue. So there's a thousand extra staff have gone in in recent times. UHL have appointed now a specific person to deal with patient flow in the hospital. I think the key things we need to look at are can we, we we have a service uh, which is a demand service where, which is a service that has demands over seven days of the week. The problem is in, in many cases that that service is only available five days a week in terms of so the biggest issue there is can we match the the service delivery with the demand and one of the two elements are is that we need to look at ways that we can get people discharged over the weekends to do that we must ensure that we have the community service in place that it can be discharged too and i know that's being looked at actively Right, that's Minister of State Kieran O'Donnell, Limerick Finnegale TT, of course. So right now we have Colette Cowan, who is the Chief Executive of the UL Hospitals Group, with me in the studio. And you're welcome. Good morning. Morning, Joe. So it, we're talking about, as we mentioned there, a number of different 96 bed blocks now, right? That's right. Explain. Yeah, well, well, Minister O'Donnell, just to have to say he's been relentless working with us over the years and I really have to say that today. Always on the phone every week, what can I do? What can I do to help? So I have to call that out, especially just to acknowledge that from the team in the hospital. But we're very glad that we have got the change order approved through the Minister for Health, Stephen Donnelly, has met us three times in the region and indeed the Taoiseach has met us and the councillors during a team's meeting and also visited uh, UL Hospitals Group to discuss the capacity issue. And it was the first time in a very long time that they acknowledged we had capacity issues in the region and they've shown form to be quite fair on it. So the second 96-bed block change order has been signed, which will allow us to start the foundation development alongside the current 96-bed block that's going up. It'll also allow us to put in the first uh, shell floor 
which will be an acute um, model of medicine. So it'll be a, a new medical assessment unit and we'll wrap around into the emergency department. So we're very glad over that. Next steps then, of course, is to go forward and get the funding for the 90, second 96 bed block, which is part of the capital plan. And the minister himself contacted me last Friday and spoke for 40 minutes on a number of things and how he is going to progress those beds for us. Okay. So, right. The first 96 bed block, the one that is now under construction, when will it come online? Yes, so the first 96 bed block will be ready in 2025. Be the first quarter of 2025. If we can move any faster, we would, but that that is that's realistic. Right. The second block, the one that we're talking about here specifically, when will it come online? So with the second block, with everything moving in the right direction, the funding, the planning and all of that, we will be able to expedite the block now that we have the change order and have it ready in 2027. If we hadn't uh, got the change order, it would be years after that before we'd actually get get moving on it. So it's, it's very positive for us, even though it's a long way out. Is there a third 96 bed block? There is, yes. It's in our capital master plan. And that's our ambition to have the third one. It'll actually link on to the two that are already uh, going up or being planned. Um, and that's required for the region. The The information is there. All of the reports all say the same thing, including our delight, recent delight report, which told us we needed 302 beds in the, in the Midwest and UHL. But that third block, that's unlikely to be in use until, what, the 2030s? Oh, definitely, yeah. That, that isn't in a plan. It hasn't been mapped out. It's just in our master plan in UHL um, that we're working on for the future. So we're very glad to get the first 92, uh, the first two blocks right. started. Okay, so 2025 for the one currently under, struck, under construction. All going well. 2027 for the second 96-bed block. And then the 2030s for the third 96-bed block. None of which is available uh, right now, clearly. Um, and even then, is it just catch up on your capacity? I think we, what will happen is that we will have caught up uh, a lot on, on the need of the region. However, there is a lot more that has to be done that's outside of the hospital group that has to be developed. So again, we have the census out yesterday. We have, we've seen the figures, the ageing population in Limerick. Even this morning, I can see the numbers rising in the last month in the ED of over 75 patients. I've always said that's great that people are living longer, but we have to plan for that. So there's a lot of investment gone into the community health organisation. And what we really have to focus on while we're waiting for those bed blocks to go up is indeed hospital avoidance. And what can we offer as alternative solutions to the public rather than just coming into the emergency department. Mm. And there was some confusion over the last couple of weeks uh, relating to motions in the Dáil one of which mentioned medical assessment units and minor injury clinics in St. John's, Ennis and Nina. And there was some reporting, not here, that suggested that they were going to open 24 hours, seven days a week. Is that the case? No, it's not the case. Um, Bernard Gloucester, our new HSE CEO, we're very glad to have him in post. He met us the first week he was in. He, he's a very uh, important job for the health service in general, not just Limerick. Um, but he got uh, approval through government for 5.2 million euro for us to open the medical assessment units at uh, Nina Ennis and St. John's 8am to 8pm seven days a week. That's the first step. It's a GP referral service. It'll be access for patients through their GP to go somewhere else other than into the ED. We're hiring for that at the moment and we'll have the full staff in post and in place by July. However, our own staff have been running it on, on overtime since January and have provided an excellent service, but we have more to do there and we'll be able to double our numbers. That will make a significant impact and will actually change the experience for patients as well. 
that they can go to those sites rather than into, into an emergency department. Mm-hmm. We're trying to collect Cowan, who is the chief executive of the UL Hospitals Group. How in general are uh, GPs able to refer through to services other than the ED across the hospital network? Is it only into the medical assessment units? Yeah, the GPs definitely have had, a, a, I would say, a, a difficult time, we'll say, in referring into us in the sense that we had to shut down everything during the COVID pandemic. So their only options, well, they were very limited. Um, so their access into our bed bureau, we have a bed bureau model where you, the GPs ring in and the patients are streamed to the medical assessment units, the local injuries units or to the ED. Direct direct access to uh, war beds is not uh, an area that we have at the moment because we don't have enough capacity for that. We have to deal with what's coming in as emergencies. Okay. And how many people are on trolleys at the moment, you know, this week? Um, and it, it, based on that question, how many would you anticipate during really high volume periods in the winter coming? Yeah, the interesting thing is that um, when we look at the data, every May we also have huge surges so last week, our, our trolley numbers were as high as the first week of January. And that's year on year. So that that's an unusual anomaly uh, to see, but it does happen. Even last Sunday, one of the hottest days, you know, where people were out and about, as you say, in Ilkilkey, et cetera, over 200 people came into the emergency department still looking for treatment. Now, when I, I look at that and audit it, it is a lot of elderly people, a lot of over 75 patients that do need to be in hospital and need to come in. So it's the options around that. What do I see in the future? I think we're going to still have to, a lot, to, a lot to deal with in the coming in the coming year until we get this bed block up. But we have to come up with other options around admission avoidance, and we have. So, for example, we have Pathfinder set up. I think you spoke to people on that in recent times, where the ambulance service and allied health professionals go to the home of the patients. We also have community hubs and chronic disease hubs that are all evolving at the moment, and that's the future, so that patients do can go to somewhere else other than to into an emergency department. They also have their GPs, but they're actually a very busy service, as you know, the GP service, um, and they're doing their best they can as well to deal with the patient need. Right. But how many on trolleys this week? I'm oh, sorry, yeah. So yesterday we had 90 patients on trolleys throughout the hospital, which is really very high numbers. The numbers have come down today. We have 40 patients this morning awaiting beds for admission to beds. Now, when I talk about trolleys, I talk about, and we, and we can argue the toss, but a trolley is a trolley at the end of the day. But some of those patients would be in curtained areas and in bed spaces on trolleys, which is a lot easier than being on a corridor head to toe in an emergency department. So this morning we have 24 in the emergency department on trolleys waiting for access to beds. There's a, Yesterday we had 32. So we're starting to see discharges coming into the bank holiday weekend. And you mentioned this anomaly in May. Any sense as to why that's happening? Um, it, it's happened year on year as long as I've been in UL Hospitals Group, but it, it, it's just uh, demand-led. It, uh, it's just an unusual anomaly that the numbers are always high in the, the May period. Right. No, no apparent reason, really. Um, but it does sound as though, from what you're saying, that despite the efforts being made, we're facing another very difficult winter on this front. Well, our numbers, yeah. So, that, I mean, my message has been consistent, uh, as has yours, um, over the years. So, capacity, comp- our demand continues to grow. Um, so, we're we're heading for over 80,000 attendances in ED by the end of this year. And when I started nine years ago, believe it or not, um, we were looking at just 52,000. So, it has grown year and year exponentially. So, it has to change um, and we have done a lot of work. We could spend all day here going through all of the improvements, all of the reviews, all of the buildings, everything that we've done. But actually, it, it, if once a patient comes into hospital, 
they're in the system then, they're usually admitted, treated and looked after. But in, in effect, we have to offer something else to the public. So a focus for this coming year will be on the further development and enhancement of the community health organisation that's had investment and Maria Bridgman is the chief officer who can talk to that and has done really good work and equally seven over seven working. Right. How many vacancies are there at the moment for doctors and nurses across the UL hospitals group and how difficult is it to recruit? Yeah, so what we've seen is a, a change and this has been reported on nationally where people have uh, decided to, to emigrate or travel, which is um, hasn't, wasn't happened during COVID. So that was uh, just a, a silver lining of a bad thing. Um, so our vacancy n- numbers are run at, run at about 10%. Uh, nursing vacancies can be high in the emergency department. It's a hard place uh, to work. It's very full on day in, day out. So we see a lot of change there. But we are, we are actually able to hire, which is the interesting thing. People want to come and live in Limerick. So that's the good news. And we have a lot of interest from um, the UK and equally around the country because the cost of living is lower. Mm, so it's a good city to live in. Yeah, but all of your posts are not filled currently. Oh, no, no, no. Um, and with the consultant posts, it is a difficult area. It's hard to recruit consultants. We may go out to the market three and four times to get consultants with the specialism to work in the area and they're just not there and, at the moment. And is this about how much they're paid? I don't think so, no. I think some of it, some of it is the specialism. They're in America doing their fellowships. They have to go and do their their fellowships. They may come home and they may choose to stay in the States. So no, I don't think so. The new contract has come in as well, which will, will also, hopefully will be attractive. Now, you'd be aware that one of the questions I'm sure you get, and we certainly get on this show, is, is there a full understanding by the people at the top of government about how significant the situation is? There's a view, for example, that when the Taoiseach visits, that the hospital is, in essence, cleaned up and he or she, but he in this case, doesn't get a real sense of what it's like in the ED. Yeah, um, as a management team, we find that fascinating because, quite frankly, if we could clean up the hospital and move patients, wouldn't that be absolute utopia for our patients? We have nowhere to put the patients, so we're not hiding anything. And they do they do see it. Ministers of the day have seen it exactly as it is. Whatever way it is on the day, that's what they see. We don't hide the fact. It would actually be a mistake to hide it because we want them to see because we want the investment and government funding and I feel in the last 12 months that we've been heard to be quite honest and I have to thank all the people of Limerick the advocacy groups and the politicians for raising it at various levels throughout government Mm. Uh, When you were in with us previously you talked about correct me if I'm wrong it was a section 38 that it had something to do with hospitals like St. John's and the separate plans that they have themselves and UPMC um, and the ability to work with them to increase overall capacity. Where does that stand? Sure, so St. John's is a Section 38. They ha- I have an SLA with them. They have their own board. Service They're, level agreement. Ser- sorry, service yeah. level agreement. So I give them over 25 million a year to run their services, but they're ran as a separate entity. They have their own CEO and board the, with the chairman on it and they have their own strategy. But uh, for capital development, they would come to me and I'd work with them to see what we can evolve and develop. So I have been working with them about replacement beds in particular because it's a lovely hospital, provide a great service, but the infrastructure is poor. Um, but we have to protect it as well because it's an important part of Limerick's history. So that will develop and evolve. They've done great work all winter, assisting us with patients, taking patients and developing their service. So we have a very good relationship with St. John's. UPMC, was they did meet us in honesty about building a hospital and working uh, with St. John's about developing that entity, but it would be a Section 38 and that would be a, procure, a, a procurement issue 
because other uh, private sectors could say, well, we want to be Section 38 as well, and it's well above my pay grade. That's a government decision. Would, but the idea would be that I would revenue fund it. Right, so but, but that, at this point, there's no further development on that. I haven't heard anything on it, no, in many months. Yeah. What about the Bon Secours private hospital that mm. is under construction? Will that help in general with, I think, 150 beds? And will it have an emergency department? Yes, yeah, so I, I've met with the, the Bon Secours team several times and I know the group CEO because I, I, he was my boss in the day and we only met in the last week actually even. So to look at their new there's two things we're looking at. We're looking at their current uh, hospital and what's the future of that and where would it sit in health because I think that has to be... Uh, the one in the city centre? Uh, the current city centre one. I think it's an important part to limit people march the streets for it in the day um, so we have to protect it um, but with the new hospital they've gone through the plans with us but we're talking in negotiation with them actually in effect is that we would um, have an SLA with them, a service level agreement again, and use 20 other beds maybe for frailty for older patients so that they're not in our emergency department, but they'd have access there, but they'd be treated by our consultant geriatricians who are one of the, some of the best in the country. They won't have an ED. They won't have they any won't. ED facility because, no. again, that has been rumoured that mm-hmm. they are going to have a privately accessed emergency department for a certain number of hours referred by GPs. That's not true. No, but they will have a local injuries unit. They'll have an injuries unit and a medical assessment unit. So GPs will have access to that area. So that's similar to some of the other care clinics we already have around Limerick. Mm -hmm. And does all of that help a bit? Oh, absolutely. It will help. Uh, And everything like that, you know, will help. But what I'm interested in with working with a service level agreement with them is that access to the beds in their new hospital would be for public and private patients. So that's my area of interest. So we would actually lease the 20 beds off them and run them ourselves. I think that's more important than just to to have a two-tier system again. So we don't want that. Because there has been a feeling over the last decade or so, there were plans, as you well know, for private hospitals that came to nothing for various reasons, including, frankly, the economic crash, which has affected Mm -hmm. so much. Um, But there was always a view that if you got some on stream, it would help in the overall sense and, and you would agree with that? I absolutely agree with that because in the meantime we're building beds but it's going to take us time to build them and get them open and again our, our new CEO uh, Bernard Gloucester has worked very carefully on that he understands the situation, he understands the countrywide situation and he has met the, the and, bonds And do you me. think that his knowledge of Limerick, he is a Limerick man who does help having him at the head of the HSE? His knowledge in general of the health service is absolutely the best thing for us and for the country. He has such a deep knowledge and indeed with Tusla as well. So I think we're very lucky. Mm. Um, and finally, the PR element of this. Um, you know, As you know, and, and you talk to people, I know in primary care as well, who are interacting with, with patients, there's no question that there remains a reluctance among people to go to the emergency department. Their perception is it's a very difficult experience, not after they get to the point of care, but it's a really difficult experience. And in some cases, they are avoiding it when, frankly, it's dangerous to avoid it. Correct, yeah, we worry about that. And most definitely when it's particularly crowded, I get the emails from the families, you know, seeking my help or calling out the issues that they have experienced in there. And a crowded department is an area where the staffing are under extreme pressure. Um, And I know that people avoid hospital, but it's so important if you are acutely unwell that you need to come in because it's a life and death situation. 
and you will, you know, if you come to the ED, you are triaged. Certain people will wait. Others will bypass straight into resource because ED isn't just about, you know, the minor stuff. There's act, they do an awful lot of extensive work on, on life, on saving lives. Mm. Colette, I mean, do you get up every morning still enjoying this job? Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm 36 years in the health service now. Um, it's been a difficult few years. There's no doubt. Um, you know, you have to take, you're the accountable officer and you have to take what, what's, you know, handed out to you. But sometimes the information isn't correct and, it's my job to do it. So it's a badge of honour, but it's all, it gets tarnished very quickly. Um, what I worry about is my teams, the, the view that management is poor, that we're not doing enough or that we're not there is just not correct. You know, people work over and above all of the time to try and make it better for patients. And yes, we don't get it right all the time because we are overcrowded. All right. Well, listen, thank you very much for coming in thank and you. answering those questions uh, this morning. And uh, it's important that you do so, I think, and important that we give you the opportunity and the space to explain these issues. They're really important mm-hmm. uh, to all of us in uh, Limerick. Uh, and that is uh, the chief executive of the UL Hospitals Group, Colette Cowan. Your views, your news, your